Ukrainian refugees living in Connecticut are reflecting ahead of the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion. This time last year, Dr. Hannah Zolnerchek, an economics professor, was living in Ukraine with her husband and 16-year-old daughter. Now she lives in Greenwich, and her husband is on the front lines of the war. Could you imagine walk in the 21st century, in the middle of Europe, maternity homes, kindergartens, and schools are being born. Governor Lamont assured the refugees that they would always be welcome in Connecticut. He called on Americans to continue supporting Ukraine as they fight for freedom. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news update from the Connecticut, New York region. Lawmakers in Connecticut debate an early voting schedule for state and local elections. Suffolk Republicans nominate Ed Romaine as their choice for county executive. And what is a luthier? All that and more is coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Connecticut lawmakers will consider a proposal to schedule 10 days of early voting before state and local elections. WSHU's Shelley Hassman-Kadish reports. This proposal follows approval of an amendment to the state constitution last November allowing for early voting. Groups like Common Cause say that would give working people, single parents, and others a more convenient way to participate. Secretary of the State Stephanie Thomas says 10 days would help the state gauge how well local voting officials handle the additional work. Supporters of early voting are calling for 14 days. Republicans opposed the constitutional amendment. They called for shorter periods of voting, citing concerns about town officials who will have to track several types of ballots, including election day and absentee ballots. Thomas says towns would need state funding to implement the program. There are at least three related bills on the issue. Shelley Hassman Kadish, WSHU News. The Suffolk County Republican Committee nominated Ed Romaine as their candidate for county executive this November. As WSHU's Charles Lane reports, his likely opponent is businessman and former prosecutor David Cologne. Ed Romaine has had a long political career as a county legislator, county clerk, and Brookhaven Town Supervisor. He has positioned himself as an environmental advocate and fiscal conservative. He will likely face David Cologne, who has already raised nearly a million dollars in campaign funding and received the nod from party bosses. Cologne has never won elected office, though he has vied for Congress, district attorney, and a judgeship. Cologne is a former federal prosecutor who served on Suffolk's planning board and was a LIPA board member for several years. November's election will replace Steve Ballone, who is term limited. Charles Lane, WSHU News. Housing advocates in New York are calling for lawmakers to support Governor Hochul's plan to rezone residential housing in neighborhoods within a half mile from LIRR stations. Michael Daly is a real estate agent and an activist with East End YIMBY, known as Yes in My Backyard. We've got to start speaking louder. You know, a love is a really great thing, but when love is quiet, uh, it sometimes it needs to be loud. We need some loud love right now for this New York housing compact. 
Hochul's housing compact plan would require Long Island to increase housing units by 3% over three years. Daly says that would allow for more affordable housing for nearly 40% of homeowners in Suffolk County who are, quote, housing cost burdened. That means they're spending over 30% of their income on housing. One of the country's most sought-after violin makers has been in the game for decades and is right here in our region. That story is after headlines and a message from our supporter. Support for After All Things comes from Hartford HealthCare. More COVID vaccine answers at hartfordhealthcare.org slash vaccine or 833-621-0600. Westville attorney Liam Brennan announced his Democratic candidacy in the New Haven mayoral election yesterday. Brennan will run against two-term incumbent Justin Elliker, and other opponents in the primary include consultant Tom Goldenberg and retired police sergeant Shakif Abdusabar. Prospective jurors for Long Island's Volva murder case were dismissed by the hundreds yesterday after stating they couldn't act impartially on the case. The case against 45-year-old Angela Polina charges her with second-degree murder for the death of 8-year-old Thomas Volva. Teens ages 13 to 17 in New London, Connecticut, are finding out what it's like to be a police officer in the city. The New London Police Department is running its first 10-week youth police academy, which they believe to be unique in the state. The teens are learning everything from why police do patrols to when, if ever, use of force is justified. The course is taught by officers currently on the job. Doug Cox has been making violins and violas for half a century. Players all over the country travel to his studio in West Brattleboro, Vermont, for these instruments, which start at $20,000. But even after decades of doing this work, Cox says there's a sense of wonder and exploration with every violin or viola he starts. Howard Weiss Tisman brings us this story from Vermont. Doug Cox is sitting at his workbench in the studio right outside of Brattleboro, and he's slowly turning a nondescript chunk of wood into a world-class violin. Cox has studied the world's great instruments, measuring how a fine violin is put together down to the tenth of a millimeter, and he's had an acoustic engineer investigate the properties of his own instruments. He's meticulous and obsessive about his tools and materials and process. I like to think that that throughout this process, I am responding to the wood. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> the way that I'm shaping this piece of wood is a little different than I would shape a different piece of wood. Cox grew up on the New Hampshire seacoast on a small farm, and he says he's always liked working with his hands. He took up instrument making because he didn't want to go to a regular college. In the late 1960s, he studied violin making in Germany, and then worked about 10 years with a master luthier in Boston. In 1985, his wife got a job teaching in southern Vermont. Since then, Cox has built a reputation as one of the country's premier luthiers. 
the question of, of how do you go from, from, from good to great is a very real uh, and, 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 and important question. And uh, there, there, isn't, there isn't one right way to make the great instrument. And uh, <clears throat> so it's a, it's, a, um, uh, it's a mystery. And uh, I, I, fi I find it uh, uh, rewarding to be working in, in something that, uh, that has a mysterious quality to it. Cox produces about 20 violins and violas a year, and he finished his 1,000th instrument just before the pandemic. A special concert was planned in Brattleboro, which COVID delayed, and on a very cold night recently, a string quartet from Portland, Maine, came to the Brattleboro Music Center to celebrate Cox's career. All four instruments on the stage were made by Cox, and one of the violinists was using the landmark 1,000th violin. When Cox was studying his craft in Germany, he says there was a focus on the nearby materials used to build the great instruments that were produced in the 18th century. Today, many instrument makers still seek out wood from Germany and Italy. But all of Cox's violins and violas are made with maple that grew near his Wyndham County studio. He expects his violins to last 300 years. He says when an instrument leaves his shop, it is half finished, and it is up to the player to develop a relationship with it and truly bring it to life. That's what I want the players to feel, that this is an instrument that, that draws something out of them. There is, there is something there that is intriguing. Um, that is, uh, well, we can maybe back a little bit to the, uh, the, the uh, mystical or the, uh, uh, um, the wondrous, um, that that goes further in producing the effect of music than does something that is technically perfect. He says our planet is threatened by greed and consumption, and the wonder people find in artistic expression, he hopes, will help the human family heal. We seem to be in a place uh, as a society or as a, as a civilization, as, as, as a species, uh, where we need to find a different way. And I think that music is, is part of that way. Um, and, you know, this, that my work is a, uh, is a drop, but hopefully it's a drop on the, in, the, in the right direction. It's, it's going to move things that's going to provide an opportunity for, uh, for some good things to happen. Cox is 74. His eyesight is not as sharp as it once was, and he says his craftsmanship occasionally slips. Still, he says there isn't much else he'd rather be doing, and as long as he can climb the stone steps up to the studio near his house, he says he'll continue turning dried planks of wood into instruments of joy and wonder. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Howard Weiss Tisman. This story was shared by the New England News Collaborative of our connected and rapidly changing region.
For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or anytime online at WSHU.org or with the WSHU app. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And as always, we want to encourage you to connect with us here at WSHU. So if you have any thoughts or story ideas, please send us an email. It's news at WSHU.org. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your evening. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you.